contract a hit on himself. John Wessex's The Shadow Killers is the second book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon. Let's watch Distinguished guests, welcome to LWAFL-MOIT. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with our distinctly guests, our hosts, Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Merry Christmas, Carl. Merry Christmas, Mike. It's Merry wait, Christmas, like, Carl. Why are we saying Merry Christmas? I know it's February 27th, but Merry <laughs> Christmas. Okay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, welcome, stinky guests, uh, LWAFL-MOIT. Thank you, Mike, for having me once again. Uh, you, you, Carl, you did the theme song. You have an interview coming up. You yeah. researched this movie. Thank you for inviting me onto the show. <laughs> we do this show every Sunday at 2 p.m. here on mutinyradio.fm. We're streaming right now on mutinyradio.fm as we do every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And then specifically, uh, 5 o'clock on the East Coast time. You could also... Don't have to stream us live. Uh, you can listen to our podcast, Drops Every Sunday Night. Uh, follow us by our acronym, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Y-T stands for YouTube. Uh, we're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. Carl, what is the movie this week? Okay, this week we are watching The Funny Farm, 1983. That's what you put in the search engine, The Funny Farm. Don't put in Funny Farm, no. The Funny Farm. Put in 18, 1983. We like the channel Crud Buddies. Right, because we are Crud Buddies ourselves. Yeah, who wouldn't yeah. like Crud Buddies? Who loves you Crud name Buddies? the channel that, we're subscribing. Uh, you, you ever see uh, um, Black Sheep with Chris Farley and, and David Spade? Uh, yes, unfortunately, I saw that piece of crud. All right, so remember the scene where uh, this, this Opie sprays a fire extinguisher on David Spade? And yeah. Yeah. And uh, Chris Farley says, hey, why don't you jump in the pool and, and wash off all that white mud? And mm -hmm. David, <laughs> David Spade says, oh, I discovered white mud. I'm a millionaire. And Farley <laughs> goes, no, no, I said white crud, white crud. <laughs> all right. I thought I would start off our show with that. I love that all scene. Right. So, all right. Crud buddies. Uh, so, so, buddies. so, you know, uh, we have a, some instructions for you to do. But we also have a really exciting feature that gives you some time. So well, wait, you're gonna... tell them, tell them the instructions. Yeah, right. You oh, absolutely. Find... Yeah, absolutely. So we want you to go onto YouTube, search for the Funny Farm 1983. The. the as Carl said, we need to get the the in there. You'll find the movie as hosted by Crud Buddies. Click the link, hit pause, move the timer to zero zero zero, uh, and when we say go. Hit the play button. We'll all hit the play button. Now, right. we are not going to say go. We have a celebrity comedian to do our celebrity comedian countdown. Carl, yes. take it away. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Donna Loy. Welcome, Donna. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You started at Scotty's. You took the comedy class there with Chip Ambrosio. You have blossomed to go on to so much more and become a real comedian. But why don't you just tell us about your launch a little bit? Okay. Well, I started at uh, Scotty's Comedy Cove School with Chip Ambrosio in June of t- or uh, April of t- 2017. 2017. And you go for six. 2017. Yeah, they go. Uh, for I think six weeks, and at the end of six weeks, you do your your show for your friends and family that come to see you. And it was a great launching pad. Um, I got a lot of work right away out of the gate from Scotty's. Mm-hmm. I got to network with uh, some higher level comics. How much in your original routine for that showcase remains today? Um, I'd say a good portion of it, uh-huh. and I just keep. I'd say a good portion of it, um, a lot of it's changed, obviously, and a lot of it I've, you know, swapped out for other things, but I just keep that particular act, and then I'll just layer in and layer in, and then kind of be able to pick and choose when I go to a venue if I want to do this segment or that segment, or use those or just pull them out of the hat as I need them. Mm-hmm. I'd say maybe, I'd say maybe 60%. Wow. Okay. That's uh, still a pretty healthy chunk, right? I think you got a yeah, good I launch like my, there. Uh, <laughs> I like now, some of my own jokes. <laughs> everybody does, right? I laugh at my own jokes. Yeah. So um, you are, I, you're down South Jersey. Is that fair to say? Do you think of it as South Jersey? Central Jersey. Central, Central Jersey. you call it Central. But even though you're Jersey, far away. Central Jersey. Jersey Shore, that is where, so even though you're far from us up here in the north, you still come up here, you know? I mean, you go further than Scotty's, right, if you've got a gig? Oh, yeah, sure. I've been in Brooklyn and PA, New York, Atlantic City, wherever wherever the goods are, that's where you got to go. Yeah, I was going to mention Brooklyn. You did the rooftop shows there during the pandemic, right? They were outside at La Brea Gardens, and then we moved indoors with the Brooklyn House of Comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did a lot of outdoor shows during the pandemic. I was lucky like that. Restaurants, you know, outdoor venues. Now, I was going to ask how the pandemic affected your comedy. You just went over, like, being outside, which was different, which was okay in the summer, right? How else have you been affected, you know, as a comedian, getting out there and doing your thing with this with this COVID, with this coronavirus crap? Yeah, coronavirus is terrible. Um, well, I, <laughs> I, you know, I think like anybody else, I just have the ebbs and flows of, the moods that any comedian probably suffers from. Um, I try to uh, keep a balance and keep things in perspective. You know, comedy is something that brings joy to people. It brings joy to me. Um, Obviously, like I had six shows booked this month and I've already lost four of them. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're experiencing and everyone is experiencing that on different levels. Um, but you just have to keep it in perspective, you know, when it get when it's good, it'll be going again. And when it isn't, you just have to do other things like zoom or get creative. I've done a few zoom shows. I was just going to go there every week. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was just going to go there and ask you about what do you think of Zoom? I mean, it's better than nothing, but it's not the same, right? It's not the same. It's almost like performing in front of a mirror when you're practicing. <laughs> if you, anyone does that, I do. Mm -hmm. um, but And so it's a little strange because you're not getting the reactions that you would and that rapport with the audience. But, yeah. it, you know, if you're getting paid to do 10 minutes and sit in your living room or bedroom, it's not so bad. Yeah. And it is yeah. a cool way to communicate. I'm, I do a weekly podcast every week with a bunch of comics that are all over Chicago and uh, New York and PA. And it's kind of cool that we meet once a week and get our yayas out. What's it called? What's that podcast called? It's called Logic and Laughs. Uh-huh. Headed by Tori. Corey Seward, I think I, I connected you with him on some level. He's looking to come down and we'll do some stuff at Scotty's. But they're all comics and they're young and I'm probably the oldest one there. Uh -huh. <laughs> so there's some generational and cultural things that I don't get or that they don't get, which is kind of cool. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. It keeps, keeps me going anyway. What do you bring to the podcast? The logic or the laughter? Hopefully a little of both. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully a little of both, yeah. Well, that sounds logical. So, <laughs> how do people find you out there on the internet, on social media? I think you've got a YouTube channel. YouTube channel, Donald Lloyd Comedy, on the social media. I'm not on Instagram. Um, I am on TikTok. I think it's called Aunt Donna Knows, although I don't manage those things. Uh -huh. I'm not too tech savvy, so I have people that do those things for me. What about Facebook, though? Yes, I have that. Donna Just Lloyd Donna Lloyd. Comedy. You'll see it. Donna Lloyd Comedy. You'll see a picture of George Burns and Jack Benny, my favorite comedians of all That's time. right. Yes, you do see that. Yeah. Favorite comedians of all time. That's really, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty good company there. So, okay, Donna. Everybody at home is poised to watch this movie at the exact same second as we do here in the studio. We're all going to press play together. So why don't you go ahead, Donna Lloyd, and give us that celebrity comedian countdown. Okay, thank you. We're going to go with three, two, one, press. Oh, I'm really excited about this movie. You know, yeah. I heard about this movie because Peter uh, Aykroyd is in this, Dan Aykroyd's brother, who was right. a part of, uh, I guess, the fourth season of SNL. And then yeah. he wrote uh, theme songs, songs for, his, for Aykroyd's movies. Right. And he was in some of Aykroyd's movies. Uh, you might, but you make money off the songs, right? If you write the song to Loose Cannons, every time that plays, they get a little royalty check. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it can be very tiny, but if you're talking about millions, it adds up, you know. He was in the Coneheads. He was in Dr. Detroit. Um, yeah, so that's really, it. that's really, you know, they, they were, they weren't, um, uh, they were, they were good bro buddies, brothers, friends, right. and they co-wrote uh, screenplays together. Um, let's see. Um, Nothing but trouble in the early '90s. Peter wrote Ugh. the story. Dan wrote the screenplay. Um, Co-created the Canadian sci-fi show Sci Factor, which and... makes sense because Dan Aykroyd is also into like UFOs and yeah. psycho bullshit. So they must have had a charming childhood where they they uh... did uh, 88 episodes of that. And yeah, probably in their childhood, like Dan's going, "Look at that! Look what! Look up at the sky! Look at that!" And he goes, "Holy crap!" 
it's yeah. a UFO. There must have been a bunch of them. There must have been. You know what? Peter was probably uh, saying, hey, you know what would be great? And Dan Aykroyd pulls out a pen. No, Peter, tell me. <laughs> you know? But also, we should mention Peter Aykroyd passed away in November of last year. He even yeah. got a, um, like a, a memorial a on SNL. Really? He had an untreated hernia. Untreated. And he died just before his uh, 66th birthday, like a couple weeks. Uh, septicemia caused wow. by an untreated abnormal hernia. So I think he probably shouldn't have died. He uh, he probably, you know, is sort of like a mistake. It's a real shame. Uh, I, I kind of, I knew of him through the through different things, but I have always heard about this movie, The Funny Farm. I had no idea what it was about. I just yeah. knew that Peter Aykroyd was in it. Uh, I saw it listed on FilmRise streaming, and I said, shit, if FilmRise has it, YouTube has it, and God bless, it does. And the movie's about stand-up comedy. Yes, that's right. Now, what we're watching right now is um, a guy named Mark Champlin. And Mark is heading from his home in Cleveland, Ohio, all the way out to L.A. to become a big comedian. And he's, he's not going to New York City? Right. He's going Mark. to L.A. So Mark Chaplin is not driving in the early 80s to New York? <laughs> no. Okay. You think you. that would be the destination for – okay, this is our director. Oh, pumping gas in the HBO vanity plate. You wish this movie was on HBO. This is Ron Clark. And he is our director, and he's making his cameo. Nice. And he's yeah. like, where are you going? L.A. to be a star like Robin Williams. And he goes, who? How many times will Robin Williams' names uh, will be name-checked in this? Two times. Early, a few times. Okay. Two times. Yeah. Two times. Twice. Ooh, a little cassette. Is this like a willpower? It's like I, he's going to listen to Steve Martin. He's going to listen to George Carlin. He's just yeah. – he's, he's listening – uh, you know, this was a time before you could catch any comedian ever. Right. So he has the albums, you know. The, the, and hopefully they paid the comedians to be in this movie. You know, I like uh, Steve Martin. Oh, so this is another Steve Martin movie I never saw. Oh, you mean you mean the comedians were hearing the voice? Yeah, on the uh, cassettes while he drives cross country. Interesting question. Did they? Did they have to. They have to get royalties. I'm sure it's probably. In the now, here he has arrived in Los Angeles, but in truth, he's in Montreal, Canada. Thank you, Carl, for telling me that up front so I don't have to – because we're both Los Angeles natives, and we uh, it infuriates <laughs> us to no end when we can't recognize – oh, the comedy tree. So he, he wanted to go to the comedy tree, and it's literally closed. It was burnt down. It ha a fire has occurred, and there is noticia – no, nos entrada, because it's burnt. So, do you think the comic on stage was like the roof? The roof. The, the roof, the is, roof is, off. is on fire. And we're like, hack, shut up, hack. <laughs> no, but I'm being serious. The roof. The roof. The roof is on fire. We heard it. So we don't give a damn. Ooh, juggling. Yeah. So he finds that the the club, the tr comedy tree, it's it's gone, and so he's sort of wandering around, and he's bumping into Greg. His name is Tony Malsworth in real life, and Greg will let him know about a comedy club called the Funny Farm. That's now, where it's all happening now. 
we, now, even though we are Los Angeles natives and comedians, we're not going to pretend we know the history of Los Angeles comedy, which I'm sure this movie is mirroring and mirroring in, in close to the near time because this is 83. This isn't mm-hmm. like dying to get. Re- oh, what was that? That Showtime Jim Far- uh, Carrey TV show? I'm dying up here, which was a, a two season show about the comedy store. Oh, okay. Oh, so, gosh. I, I, I missed that one. I, I did see Crashing on HBO. Uh, but that's a New York comedy scene, right? It's and it's, and it's not reprising the late seventies, early eighties. No, no, you're right. You're right. It's a better analogy, the Jim Carrey one. And the thing is, like, okay, it's a movie, so I forgive it. But it's like he's bumping into exactly the right person who's friendly and helpful. Yeah. Well, but okay. I believe a comedian coming into Los Angeles on the first night would drive straight to the comedy tree and then harass them, a street performer to find out where another no, set is. Harass is not the right word. It's all very nice and friendly. Oh, hey, there's the wall. Where's my picture, Carl? Yeah, you're not. It's, it's prior to your arrival. Now, this was a comedian. Uh, her name is Ma- Majori Gross? Ma- Ma- oh, Majori Marjorie Gross. Marjorie Gross. Okay. And she really went on to be a writer. She wrote for all, including Seinfeld. She wrote for a lot of things. Wait a minute. I know who you're talking to. She passed away. They they credited her. Yeah. She really got ripped off. She died of ovarian cancer at the age of 40. Wow. Yeah. She's really died young. And um, let's see here. She wrote one of our favorite shows was Get a Life. She wrote five episodes. Oh, how fun. I love that show. Yeah. Uh, she's all over the place here. The Larry Sanders show and New Hard and Alf. And she was a writer. She started as a comedian. Now we're meeting Gail. And I guess you're going to want to say she's like the comedy store lady. Mitzi Shore. And that's probably her husband. No, or well, somebody. Okay, the guy she's talking to is the owner of the club, and his name is Harvey. Really, it's a guy named Derek McGrath. You might have known him from uh, Cheers. He was the guy, person who was going to, like, strangle Shelley Long. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> now, listen, did Mitzi Shore have a reputation for sleeping around with the comics? Uh, according to whom? The comics from the early 80s? Well, I mean, I'm just saying, in this movie, that's one of the main things about Gail. She's scared of earthquakes, and she sleeps with the comedian. Okay, so just, just for being alive on planet Earth, here's what I know about Missy Shore. Missy Shore opened up the seminal uh, comedy store and redefined comedy, and pretty much everybody in there became superstars, yeah. uh, came out of comedy. And then she was, you know, she was a club owner, so she... well. She owned it with her husband, who was a long-standing comedian, like Paul mm-hmm. Shore or something like that. I forget. Yeah. Not Paulie Shore. Paulie Shore is her son. Right. Uh, I forget his name, but he was a he was a big-time comedian who was always at the B level. He opened for all the big guys. Yeah, I think and he opened for his son. A comedy club makes sense for him. You know, that's the way to get rich and get known if you're not really, you know, making it. All so, the way. so, so this, this, I guess the story story is that he owned it, but Mitzi was the brains and the power behind it and yeah. uh, ran it. And uh, I know there's a reality show called Minding the Store where Pauly Shore uh, resumes uh, control of the of the comedy store because his mom's ailing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like how this camera. So Ron Kraft, the director, is like, 
here's your next comic. Here's a picture on the wall. <laughs> Ron oh, Clark, is this, this, yeah. this is, is this That's Peter? Peter. That's Peter. Yeah. What's, what's his act? Do? Um, he, he's funny. Let me remember what he's, oh, oh uh, he's kind of, um, he, okay. I got to say, this is very interesting because we've been following Miles or, or Mark yeah. to literally drives up to L.A. and he walks in the club and then the camera immediately flies away from him. Oh, look, you're not going to fuck me. I'm out of here. Yeah, exactly. So he it's basically establishing this is where it's at. This is our. Pl OK, here's Howie Mandel. And I was a fan back in the day. Me, too. I had his album. It's like a glove. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was a really prop cool. comic album. Yeah, he's a prop comic and he's going to do a few props here. But what the director's doing is letting us know this is the setting for the uh uh movie and the reason is it's where the comedy is happening. Now, this isn't an open mic. It is like in front of real people. But it so feels like an open mic. Yeah. Yeah. And all the comedians know each other. Like half the audience is comedians. Now, it was weird when Gail said, give her the light to, um, to Marjorie. Yeah. They flickered a light that the whole audience could see them flickering the light. You know, I've been to clubs not... like that. There's some oh, clubs yeah. that, well, there was a club called Doc's Lab in San Francisco, and unfortunately it closed, but they built it from the ground up. And uh -huh. one of the things they did was they had a light on the wall, like kind of like a submarine light with that kind of like metal around it. And yeah. it was very clear. And if you're in the audience, you could pick up what it is. So this uh -huh. is not Los Angeles. This is not Los Angeles. This is not Hollywood or Sunset it, or uh, Melrose. Right in the movie, it's Los Angeles and it's the Funny Farm, the you know the Happening Club. In reality, yeah, this is Montreal, Quebec, wow. Canada. Well, it's uh, just crazy. Well, a lot of I guess Peter Ackroyd was Canadian, and so uh, is Howie Mandel. Howie and Mandel, so with, uh, Marjorie. Th these are com uh, these are Canadian comedians. Okay, look, I got to go uh, uh, network, Carl. I'll be right back. Hey, great okay. set, buddy. You were great. great hey, can I get a smoke? Hey, you guys smoking pot? You guys smoking pot? Can I join? This, this guy, this is Sammy, and he's selling jokes. <laughs> oh, yeah, as one does. <laughs> right. He's got a special tonight, one joint. One joint, and he'll give you, he'll give you a joke. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good deal, because yeah, I would milk Sammy, that joke to death. In the plot. Sammy is the son of the very famous comedian, uh, Philly Beekman. And they'll go visit Philly, and the director tries to show us the contrast between the established comedians who are like uh, Milton Berle types. The Vegas and the guys. the new comedians today. The young yeah. comedians, right? Isn't that the yeah. HBO term? Yeah. Young comedian young special. Comedian. Oh, is he? So I know this guy. This is the Pinky and the Brain guy. Yeah, that's right. He's all about doing impressions, and that's what he does throughout the entire film. Yeah, and he does impressions when he's not on stage, which kind of bugs me. Like we don't get together as comedians and do our acts off stage, you know? I know, Carl. Um, don't you hate it when a comic is doing their act? You're like, "Hey, what's up with the world today?" And they're all like, <laughs> "I got. I haven't got to the tag yet." 
So his name is Maurice LaMarche, and yes. he was a Canadian voice actor from Toronto. Yeah, Pinky and the Brain, and he was the brain. Um, he's a lot of stuff. I mean, I even, I recognized him. That's like how much shit voice talent work he's done. I actually recognized him when he popped on screen. Uh-huh, you recognized his face. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's Well, I could, I recognize Tara uh, Strong. I recognize Frank Welker. Mm-hmm. Oh, Trunky pissed in his pants. Yeah, and he goes, well, now that's funny. <laughs> so he would go on to be in Zootopia. He was Mr. Freeze from Batman. He was wow. in Yosemite Sam from Looney Tunes, a more modern one. Yeah, but no, when, he's the king my, of it. When my kids were young, they used to watch The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. And it turns out he was in that too. So his name's huh. Dicky in the movie. All right, so fair enough. There's there's his impersonation, uh, 80s stuff. Hello, I'm Carl Sagan. Billions and billions. Yeah, you're hey. right. He's doing Jimmy Carter. He's doing, uh, you're right. He's doing contemporary. Can I can I do my Ronald Reagan? Yes, go ahead. All right. Ronald Reagan, where's your, uh, where do you get your drinking water? Well. <laughs> Very funny. Damn, Very funny. Well. Grand slam. Well. Now, sometimes I'm wondering why do they have fake names? I mean, like, uh, for instance, Mark Champlin in our film, his real name is Miles Chapin. So why not just make him Miles Chapin in the film? You know what? It's a fictitious film, and they decided to kind of divvy up. I'm trying to think if I've seen, like, there's a lot of comedy. How many comedy movies have you appeared in? Where someone shows up with a camera from making a, either a documentary or like a uh, an expose. I was about to say zero, but I guess one. At the Wawa Social Club, this guy is making a documentary and he just filmed every night. So I was only on one time. It was an open mic, so it was all new jokes. But luckily, luckily, I hit. So maybe I'll be in this documentary. I'll uh, probably never even know when it comes out. It's going to be nothing, you know. Yeah, it's going to be nothing. I did one. I was at a uh, comedy competition, which I don't even, it's a show. At the end of the night, it's a show. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with, with the competition. And some guy was like unannounced recording it. So I'm listening on IMDb for his little magic special documentary. Uh, I was on public radio, a uh, documentary on comedy. And I told one new joke that I didn't like. And that was the joke they kept. Cause oh, it, it brought it. Thanks. And then, uh, uh, what else? Oh gosh! Oh, and then uh, a friend did a like an expose, like a fictitious thing in a comedy club, which we taped. I'm in a couple of those. I'm actually in a documentary called "The Comedy Club" about Cobb's Comedy Club. I think cool. it's where Tom Sawyer's wife yells at me for not cleaning a table properly for a space they never used, which I knew at the day of. Uh, but who knows? Uh, I heard it was an unwatchable documentary, but it's finally released, and they're using it as a benefit uh, recently for Will Durst. Uh, which is terrific. He's a great comic, and anything to help him out at this time is terrific. So I like the documentary now. Did you I think get I... an IMD credit, IMDb credit? No, I didn't. You know, I signed a piece of paper or I didn't sign a piece of paper. I only heard about the movie about eight years ago where uh, I had a weekly Facebook page for a weekly show event I had, and uh, the guy who did the movie started posting on my site, but I had, mm-hmm. you know, I had to be approved, and I kept declining it. So we've met now the love interest. So what's happened is he knocked over the waitress's tray and it was a big thing. And Gail said, you're a twerp. And, you know, it was like a negative. But the uh, right. thing about it is he's now meeting 
his love interest, and she's taking him to where the comics hang out after. So this is a waitress at a comedy club? He's dating the waitress immediately? Yes, immediately. And she is an actress. Now, you know, once again, like, I forgive it because it's a movie and they got to move it along. Right. Um, and comics and waitresses do date. I suppose. Wait staff, yes. I should say. Wait staff and com- comedians. So now he's like not being funny, but we're supposed to think it's funny. Like he pulled out a uh, Polaroid. Right. It was really a napkin. He, had, he pulled it out of the, you know, and he's saying, shake this. If it doesn't develop, take two aspirin and call me in the morning. Something like that. Ugh. Yeah, try too hard, man. But yeah, also, you don't, you don't. She's um, she's really all about soap operas. Uh, she's not a comedian at all. That's not why she's in this film. Her name is Tracy Bregman, and she was on Young and the Restless and The Bold and the Beautiful. That's her claim to fame. Wow. Really, this is something she just did. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, if she could deal with soap operas, she could deal with comedians. Look at their all assholes. Yeah. Is this supposed to be Cantor's? This is like we're seeing that they're crazy. See, he's doing his impression. He's doing it right. I could tell by the eye. So that's the thing. Like, uh, it's just not true that offstage comedians are crazy and kooky. Look, he goes, don't try to toss salad. <laughs> oh, yes. His lettuce in his hair. It me, but it's okay. It's a movie. Yeah, but you know what? Usually comedians are just terrible to be with, especially the the popular ones. Like if you know, you first you know, go to a scene and there's say, a table. I gotta say that like comedians are just people, and there's a million of them, and, and they're all Granted. different. Granted. If you listen to comedian countdown, I mean, I, I I hit fifty comedians last year for you guys. Now look, like people say, you gotta be suicidal if you want to be a comedian. Comedians are just crazy, ugly. Okay, it's true a lot of them are like that. A lot of them are antisocial and stuff. But it's just not true that that is the comedian. There's just too many. No, that's true. But, I I mean, I've seen, like, just claim, you know, part of it is that there's a vulnerability on stage. So when you perform, you're you're basically exposing yourself. And Uh some comedians build a way to deal with it by being, you know, it's a sole proprietorship business. You yes. don't have to be friends with anyone. And in fact, you don't even have to be polite to anybody uh, because you, it's all about the performing and, and, and working. And so, you know, I the, sometimes because you're so vulnerable on stage, I feel comedians are assholes. It's the people who quit comedy are still assholes. Then they become assholes. Then there's like no <laughs> excuse. Like if you're a former comedian and you're still being an asshole and taking stuff and <laughs> bad-mouthing people, it's just like maybe it's you. You know, <laughs> yeah. this is his uh, house. This is where he lives at the Starlight Motel. She will way too quickly ask him to move in <sighs> with her and become Ooh. in a relationship. Uh, wow, they're kissing. Yeah, they. Yeah, he's this whole movie. He moves fast. He goes through everything so fast. So it, this is like January first. This is like a, a a year of this guy's life. Well, it, he just arrived. He just arrived in town. He learned about the funny farm. He went there, and now he's kissing girls. Yeah, and now he's at the new talent audition. Oh, look at this. The open mic. Oh, and look at all the crazy costume people. There's always okay, crazy. Okay, so what happens here is you and I know um, that 
comedy doesn't really have an audition night in which you go up and see who's, you know, like we're looking for new talent. No, rather on a weird night, like a Wednesday, when the bar's not going to make money, they hold an open mic. And it's really just, I wouldn't say a ploy. It's, I'll use the word though. It's a ploy to get people into the bar so they can make some money on a, on a weird night, you know? Sure. And listen, that's when uh, you might get, I mean, I did that at Scotty's and I got a job there as like a maitre d' kind of thing. And that meant that I could host every now and again. So in a sense, it hugs reality, but it really wasn't a audition, you know, it was just, well, you so know, like, I, that's I what do they're th doing here. They, people are lining up like, I'm going to be the next star. It's not, it's, it's not really the world of comedy but i do know like you know if they're doing three different shows or like if it's los angeles if it's los angeles they might have a 6 30 show an eight o'clock show and a midnight show and a 10 p.m show and all right one let of me those... talk about that then right what yeah. really happens in the comedy world and i think you'll back me up on this is that you have at a comedy club a host a feature who does like 30 minutes and then the headliner does like an hour 45 minutes to an hour that's really the formula uh whatever club you go to this this club on their saturday nights like they have 20 comedians and they all get up there and they don't do a set amount of time they just go until gail says that's it give them the light that's ridiculous oh are these examples of the open micers the these two the the housewife and then the kid yes and they're Is not it... open micers they're going they're they think they're at an audition they're on an they're going to audition night but I know that, you know, some, some clubs here in Los Angeles, they do have technically an audition night. I mean, it's a showcase, uh -huh. but basically, you know, you meet the people and they say, okay, come perform on, on Tuesday. At the Is it a bringer? No, but, you know, they have other shows that night, even for Tuesday. So, so uh, maybe it is there. Maybe there is some reality to the yeah, audition I feel, night. Hey, it's all groomings. Or man's the man's or grooming's Chinese theater. Uh, I don't know, even though I live okay. Here we have Steve Allen. Oh, and Bel Air. Does he know he's in the movie? Uh, Probably. Now, one of the first things Ron Clark ever did, this director. Listen, he's only directed two things. He's not a director, he's a writer. Okay. And he like one of his very first gigs ever in 1967 was the Steve comedy, uh, Steve Allen comedy hour. So he wrote eight episodes of that. Oh, so he got his buddy in there. Yeah. So I guess that's how he knows. Listen, let me talk about this director as a writer for a minute. Sure. He wrote the screenplay. Look, maybe he was one of a group. I don't know. But the Revenge of the Pink Panther, um, High Anxiety in 1977, Silent Movie in 76. It's good. Three good movies. Revenge is okay. I think that's the one with the parrot. Yes, that's one with a. That's a true Pink Panther movie, not a bullshit. Let's make some money movie. <laughs> like the Curse of the Pink Panther. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think Clouseau is in an outtake coming up next. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now okay. here he was also a writer for Pat Paulson for president. Um, two Smother Brothers comedy shows in the sixties. Danny Kaye TV show was his second one. He started Jackie Gleason 
so this guy has been a serious writer. Uh, Paul Lynn Show, Rich Little Show, uh, Jackie Mason, The World According to Me. Uh, oh, wow. He's all, he's all over the place as a writer. Well, that Jackie Mason show was big back then. Uh, let's see. I think it was the year, okay. Uh, like 86, maybe. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. oh, he's going up. Hey, man, good set. Good set. Don't choke. So he's I can't believe go you're off and he's only going to do like three minutes. And Gail's say, Gail's, and he, you see, he, he had this traditional. Um, Day player? Set, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so he, it wasn't his smartphone. Wait, so did he, he just get heckled by a comic? Yeah. Yeah, he got heckled by a comic. All right. He's going to do essentially three minutes, and he's going to have one giggle at the end. But Gail's going to say, that was good. That was really good. You can work here. Parking cars. Ooh, like Sam Kinison watching the door. He's going to be a valet. Oh, wow. So that must have been a really bad set. Hey, it's really great to be here. I wonder if he's doing my – if he's eating it, he's probably doing my act. Hey, guys, have you ever tried – I'm sorry, I'm, I got here so late. I feel really sick. I, uh, I had the green bread. You guys know the green bread on top of the refrigerator? <laughs> I mean, it was fine when I moved in. The green yeah. bread. I thought it was healthy. I thought it was vegetables. Yeah, I thought it was vegetables. I thought it was plant-based. It was a growth. So he's eating it, huh? Look at that. We hate you now. Well, he's not really eating it. He's just... They like them. They like them. No, the comics are... Yo, hey, uh, I have a joke for you. What do you call a comedian who heckles? Not a comedian. There. I said my piece, Carl. Sorry, I just got myself a seltzer. What do you call a comedian who heckles? Oh, you're killing me. Uh, not a comedian. Another comedian. Not, Not a comedian. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're a heckler. You're not a comedian. Yeah. Maybe you heckle a comedian, you're you're not a comedian in my eyes. So the the main heckler at Scotty's, right? He's like one of those insult comedians. Oh, he left his he left his thing on stage. <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah, he left his the the comic the host called him out. He said you left your uh, tape recorder. Oh, that's funny. How could I have missed that? I saw this film like four times. You didn't have that sinking feeling? I had that feeling in my stomach. That's why I recognized it. Oh, I left my phone? Shit. 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 I really wanted to listen to that set I ate anyway. Thank you. Once at the Broadway Comedy Club, somebody left their drink up there, and I made a whole big thing out of it. <clears throat> oh, do you ever, like, pick up someone's book if they leave their notebook? Uh, there's a lost and found at Scotty's and there are some comedians. Uh, okay. Here's the guy who's on cheers trying to strangle Shelly long. Um, oh, okay. So this is Mr. Shore. He, I guess he's just in this film. He's not related to her. He's just the owner and he's up there and he's like doing some very bad joke, like a frog in a blender kind of joke. I think you, uh, saw this film. And so someone goes, there's an there's please an important announcement important announcement he goes oh excuse me there's an important announcement and he goes get off the stage hey that's not funny these are the comics pissing on the owner yeah <laughs> okay that I got of music they piss on Gail and they piss on the owner yeah oh, that's not cool oh yeah here's the message 
Oh, oh. there's an important message. Oh, oh it's Mike Spiegelman's set. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to open with the green. I'm not opening with the green bread, Spiegelman. You got to rewrite the list. I'll close with green bread. Mike, do you care when you go up? Okay, you're first. <laughs> no, of course not. I'm a, you're first. Important meeting. Oh, I don't. I didn't really want to go. You're not Get really first. You're stage. you're second. You're not really going first, Carl. You're second. You see, because I'm the host, and I'll do a few minutes. Yeah, and then you'll be the second comedian, and then yeah, the third exactly. pro- the third comedian will be me because I'm going to go up again, and then the fourth comedian will be the second comedian, and then the fifth comedian will be me again, and then the sixth comedian will be the third comedian. It's easy as pie. You're not first. Now go. <laughs> Don't you hate when when hosts do like five full minutes in between people? I hate that. Yeah, I do, and uh, I I'm looking at you. I hope every comic went cold when I said that. Oh, is that her casting couch? There you go. Yes, this is her casting couch, but that's not what she's going to do. She's basically tricking this guy into becoming a valet parking attendant. No, I I did see this, but I'm just going to say this once, Carl, and uh, pretend I never saw it. Ella Burson is really acting in this movie. This is a terrific performance. She's a real lived-in human being. Yeah, uh, and you can see her as the brains of and and the disrespect she gets and yeah. how it feels on her and it's like a real lived in performance. I was just stunned by it. So anyway, just getting back and we'll get back to our little Miles and our Howie and our our other comedian friends acting, but it, it's a real difference to have an actor in this movie. An actress, yes. Now I'm going to talk about her, but I have to interrupt myself because this guy is like the only real comedian who goes to the funny farm apparently, and he's really good and everyone uh, really loves him. Um, in the film, he's called... He has bongos, Carl. Is his name Andy Kaufman? <laughs> yeah. Well, he is a crazy person and we'll find that out as the film goes along. Here it is, it's Bruce Nutter. His real name is Mike McDonald and he did have a career. In real life, he was bipolar. Um, there's some club singer named Johnny Vegas who's famous. He's the older brother of him. But um, he is good in this. Yes, he's got his bongos. Yeah. He's, and he's taking pictures and he's acting creepy with women. Why do you, anytime there's a, something sexual, you have to make it creepy. You well, know, is he on stage? Is he in know, control? Mike, are you a born again Christian and sex yes, I am. is creepy? Look, do these girls look like they're creeped out? I think they want to be up there with him, right? All right. Is he going to ask them to, to take their clothes off? What if he did, Mike? Why would that be creepy? Because uh, he's taking photos. Uh, all right, I get it. It's funny. All right. I, get it. I saw Howard Stern live like 40 years ago. Who am I to Mark, say? There are, there are advances. Mark. There are. Oh, excuse me, Mike. Mike, there are sexual advances that are unwanted, and those are creepy. Every sexual advance in the world is not unwanted. Every sex thing in the world is not. And another thing is children. If there's ever any children on the screen, you go, oh, my God. Like, okay. what? You want to fuck children, Mike? He whiz. Wait, are there children in this movie? No. Then no, of course not. No, but we saw Bugsy Malone, and you were like, this is sick. It's cute. It's a little inappropriate. It is not inappropriate. Bugsy Willow is a little inappropriate. It, uh, 
because uh, Jodie Foster was being sexy or something. She was. Hey, when was the last time you you were in a club and they had a copy of Variety in the office? <laughs> well, it's nineteen eighty three. All right. Well, yeah, you're right because this is the powerhouse. Listen, I'm eating my cake and having it too. I'm saying this movie is sexist while I'm looking at this woman. So there we go. <laughs> now this is. Uh... That's what he's saying. He's the only real comedian we've got. And uh, I kind of don't know what that means because it's supposed to be a comedy club and those guys are all the chosen performers, Peter Ackroyd. Oh, this, this, is this is Andy Kaufman. He's telling the audience to come out and I'll do a new performance. Kaufman did that. Well, you know what's funny? Steve Martin did that. That was oh, interesting. Steve Martin's first when Steve Martin first had his routine, he would go to San Francisco. He would go to, he, he would uh, take the people outside. Now he had to learn to only do it after they dropped checks and got their money, you know? Right. But this was a Steve Martin move. He discovered it by mistake one day. I read from his book. Um, he was saying, okay, that's it. Show's over. And everyone thought he was being funny. And he goes, no, seriously, show's over. I'm going outside now. And everyone started to follow him. And he was out by some, like, abandoned pool, and he walked down into it, and they all stood around the pool as he kept going. So he, by that weird night, he made it into a thing. He, he would take everyone out into the street, and then he would leave. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. I always thought, yeah, all right, well. Yeah, I tried I, to find like a YouTube clip of it or something. I never could. Oh man, that would be so much fun to watch old old Steve Martin videos. Yeah, because the old Steve Martin videos we see are after his Saturday Night Live and albums. You know, we see his polished. Uh, I've never seen a Steve Martin uh, unfamous open mic kind of thing. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you have the comedy albums, which he performed uh, in San Francisco for the first album. And then on Red Rocks, right, with Side B, wasn't it? No. I don't remember. I remember, excuse me, that was all in San Francisco. Right. It was like the works. God, it was uh, the Fisherman's Wharf. Not the Fisherman's Wharf, but it was like some weird uh, name. Yeah, he's the one I remember my first beer. That was San Francisco. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Steve Martin had a heckler in the audience, and he didn't pay him any mind. He just said, yeah. I remember my first beer. Which is like, he nailed that one. Like, yeah. you can't use that line. Of course, it made it onto the album. That's why he, he nailed Yeah, I know. Sometimes, like, like um, I, I thought to myself, okay, I'll say alcohol lowers your inhibitions or something like that, but I never had the chance. There's a joke in this one when it's still so bad. Howie Mandel goes like... Um, I was trying to catch a plane, but they go like 600 miles per hour. I want to steal that joke. What's the way explain the joke? I was well, trying I to would catch say like, I would say like, oh man, I have a hard time catching planes. Anybody else here? I always have a hard time catching the planes. I mean, they go like 400 miles per hour. Yeah, but when you say catch, then we know what the joke is. No, we'll catch a plane, you know. Catch, it's, yeah. It's You're a right. good redirect. It's a good read. Well, because it's a phrase. That's what's funny. There. So he's woken his girlfriend up at three in the morning and he's like, I have a persona now. I am a wasp. Nobody else is the comedian. You've got the lesbian <laughs> comedian, the Hispanic comedian. You've got the, you know, but nobody's oh. a wasp comedian. If I may. So, so comedians have to. 
cater to white audiences so they won't so they can immediately be liked and, and do their time in peace so it's like oh i see a mexicani or whatever they say in this movie yeah and he's like he watches that and he goes shit i'll just say i'm white i'll do the same ethnic humor but i'll say i'm white uh-huh. well and you then- know you're right about that and i really didn't appreciate it in this film film the the guy his name is Dino in real in the real world. Let me see if I can find it. Lou Lou Dino as Miguel. He was only in three things, but you're right about that. He got up there and he did uh, he did stereotypes about Latino people that white people would appreciate. Yeah, uh, the fry cook. Right, and he did his horrible accent and stuff. And then when the black comedian goes up, he goes, can y'all see me or should I smile? I uh-huh. just, it's just so like pan, um, what's the word? It's like. Uh, it's a bunch of things. It's, it is pandering. Uh, it is. It's, uh, it's, it's pandering kind of... to like the worst in us. Yeah. You know, it's you're black. So you got to make it about being black. But he made it about like how a dummy white person would make a black joke like i don't know I didn't... oh my god these comedians have day jobs how strange yeah now this yeah. is the pinky in the brain and it's his day job and they showed up to fuck with him oh and howie mandel has his handbag yeah it's, it's a handbag his handbag yeah I, I i getting back to like the it is kind of pandering and also like the material is aimed for white clubs, you know, and, and if you're going on the road and stuff like that, if you're a road comedian or a little warrior, you're going to have to play that way to, to, to connect to any crowd, you know, but I guess, yes. But also like there's other clubs, you know, like if I panner as a Jew and then I do a Jewish room, like, am I going to do the same bits? Probably not. Explain Jewish stuff. Right. So it seems weird that this guy is like he sees that that formula is in place because that's the only way over oh, fern bar how fucking los angeles in the 80s uh, yeah and he's complaining about la right now well you're you are in a fern bar drinking perrier she's just like the perfect girlfriend it's a movie you know oh yeah because i mean I don't know if waitresses, waitstaff likes getting hit by comedians. And then if they, you know, if they do come across, you know, and they meet someone at work and they, they date, sometimes it doesn't last or sometimes it's really ugly. There was a ridiculous thing they said in here as if like, you know, like band members have roadies, you know, there are comics who are, there are women who just love to date comics. It's not true. That's not true. That's not true. It's not true. You know, I, I know. Fact, we're the only. We are the only like identifiable. Like you're an athlete, or you're a musician, or you're an actor. We're the only get on the stage and perform thing that does not attract women at all. No. Yeah. No. It, there's no group. Uh, groupies. Nope. Uh, nope. You know, no it's weird. Groupies. I, one aside I would say is that uh, I, uh, Los Angeles, like, porn actors, I guess in the 80s, uh, I learned this from the True Hollywood Story for the kid who got his tongue stuck on the pole in, in mm, Christmas Story, mm-hmm. Scotty Smith, who got into pornography. But they would always go, he met a lot of people at, like, the comedy store because he's. Uh, they would go be audience members at the comedy clubs. Look at the cops right behind him. Oh, they fucked up. Oh, well, no, what that? they're doing is a pretend insurance scam in which they're, 
explaining their hurt and they got hit. And then when it turns out to be cops, they like, they bail. They say, oh, I feel better now. And I don't know. It's not fun. Oh, so they they thought it was like a civilian car behind them and they were going to Yeah, and then them. it was a cop. Yeah. But they got a comedy show. The show's still going on. Well, no, they're all not there yet. And Gail is freaking out because none of them. So he goes, what about this one? What about that one? All right, put this one up. And then, so they, that's how they're giving um, uh, Mark Ch- Champlin a shot. They're ah, going, the, the yeah. classic. That's a classic. You know, oh shit, there no one's here. And that fucking comic Spiegelman is still at the fucking bar every night. Right. Get him give, on. Give Spiegelman a shot. You know, the be- last time that happened, I could see the club owner uh, like shaking because there was a possibility that she might have asked me. Like she was trying to look for everyone but me. And I was like, well, I didn't really sweat it because I had a show that night. You know, uh-huh. I felt insulted, but it wasn't like I was, I didn't really, of course I would have dropped everything and done it, but yeah, it wasn't like I, I was getting a set that night. That's what I was thinking back then when I was that young. Right. But yeah, it was a little, you know, you gotta have a thick skin sometimes. So now they're like, oh, we feel better. Oh, because an ambulance showed up. Yeah, something like that. It's not funny. And it doesn't make sense in the real world. And Oh, there's old Colorado Avenue in the heart of Santa Monica. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, they they got signs. They made signs and put them up. Uh, This is his big shot. It's your big chance. Right. Oh, I see. He can't believe it. Now, you know, it looks like valet tickets, but I'm sure it's a set. Like every time you go into a big club, I always like I would always have my set list like prepared just in case. I me too. I I have a set list in my wallet, and it just sits there for the day. It's like, Mister Kevin Hart is sick. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you got listen. Peter Aykroyd, Dan, Howie Mandel, uh, Maurice Le, oh, Le, Lebrain. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. This is this guy is is Native American, and he's doing exactly what you're talking about. He's making smoke signals, jokes. Uh, He's saying, if we didn't smoke, we made up the peace pipe, and if we didn't smoke so much shit, we would still own this country. It's, it's, yeah. I, I feel bad for him. I'm insulted by the world that it has to be like this. But I also feel like Mark Chapman, so this guy who can, like, if it's a white crowd that everyone's been pandering so they can get, if he's on the same way, but they're all, and he does this, like, he does the same routines that everyone else is doing. Like he steals, like the only reason they're doing that material is that they can't just be themselves. They have to kind right. of. They so can't he, be themselves. So he, he, he says, oh, you know what? I'll just do it, but I'll do it a white style, you know? And then. Uh, it's it, creative it, though. It is. Well, you know, the whole like wasp humor in the eighties was Martin Mull, you know, the history of yes. white people and yeah. mayonnaise jokes and stuff like that. And they're funny. I mean, there was a good mayonnaise joke in uh, the jerk and they made a sandwich and mayonnaise. I, I, I thought I, I did that whole film. I don't remember. Uh, Didn't like his family made him a sandwich that had like mayonnaise on it? Like, they made him some kind of sandwich. I don't know if mayonnaise was on it. I'm, I'm talking over this guy's set. Oh, there he oh, is. Put on the voice. Let's hear him. Let's All right. Here we go. Studio sound. No, it's not. 
Do you think this is really Miles's act? His real act? No, I don't. What's interesting about this guy is he was a descendant of Steinway and Sons. Oh, the, the Steinway pianos? Right. And in addition to his acting career, he worked as a sales consultant for Steinway and Sons. And he pretty much hung up acting and comedy. And that's what he does now. He oh. is a top executive at Steinway and he sells pianos. He, he wrote it. nonfiction books. One of them was called 88 Keys, you know. Oh, great. Oh, is he talking about a laptop? No, he's talking about the piano. Oh, he's talking about the locksmith down the street. You know, he has now, this guy did have a, two things, three things that were interesting. He was the, a character named Carter in Howard the Duck. Okay. Um, All right. He was in Hair in 1979 as Steve Ooh. Wright, one of the So he was the guys. singer. Yeah. And he was in The People versus Larry Flint and he as Miles, that is his real name in 96. So that's the same director, Miles Foreman? No, Miles Champ. Champ no, no, but, is, but the, the People versus Larry Flint and Hair is the same director. Miles oh, Foreman. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and a famous director, too. Uh, His I, name I, in Hair was Steve Wright, and it makes me think of Stephen Wright. Oh, right. Well, you know, I know his face from The Fun House. I've, okay. I've seen The Fun House, and I know him from that movie. No, he so. was Richie in that movie in 81. Have and you I seen that? Mention, no, but I saw, we saw some horror, we saw some film, maybe it was that um, uh, performance, and one of the guys, like maybe the camera person, was associated with The Fun House, so I yeah. learned all about it. I saw it on TCM Underground. It's Toby Hooper, the guy who did uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, and that's it, what it was. We saw Eggshells. Yeah, right. We saw his film before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Toby Hooper. Well, one of his subsequent films in the early 80s, it's like a bunch of young teens that look exactly like him. And they go to like a, a county fair and they have like these, you know, a fun house. Uh, but there's like a, a, like a monster who slaughters them. Right. And yeah. it's a film of note. Like it was well done. I haven't. It's seen really it, well done. People, people talk about it. He was in that. He was in a bunch of stuff, but those were the things you'd know. Yeah, and... uh, I got some great poop on. What a wasp! What a wasp! Ooh. He's got his. He's got his white guy prop. Like his. He's got his ethnic prop. He's stealing ethnic humor and making it yeah. white. He's gentrifying it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well, they spent uh, like under under four million, just under four million dollars to make this thing. Now that's Canadian dollars, and this was backed by the Canadian Film Development Corporation. Uh, this was this this was theatrically released, and it did okay. the The internet doesn't. I, there's not even a Wikipedia page for this film. The internet forgot about this film. Yeah, you know, I used to before the internet. I had like Video Hound, and I ha and I would I would see actors. They would list the actors in the back, and Peter Ackroyd would be listed, and I'd be like, I want to see Dan yeah. Ackroyd's brother's movie, and right. I could never find this movie. You know, so I'm really glad. I mean, the the premise of our podcast is that we can finally watch movies that we've only heard about. You know, yeah, that we didn't have access to, and now we have instant. You would access. read a, you would read a fanzine. You yeah, would, and I would. It would be in the back of the, you know, but you would have to go down to the Zigfield in New York 
you know, on have, Tuesday at 8 p.m. Worse, I would have to go to Kim's video in New York and deal with those, right? I've never been there. My brother said they're all assholes back in the 80s. Like that was the hip video store. But yeah, right. I, I, in, in the 90s, there was Leather Tongue and there was a uh, uh, place down the lower hate. And they had like snooty, uh, you know, uh, video clerks. And I, I worked in a video store in Montclair. So, you know, I, I'm part yeah. of that, Melu. But uh, which the, one was it? The one in Wachung Plaza? Uh, I think it was on Bloomfield. Bloomfield Avenue. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying By to think what? if it was. What's that? By what? What was it, it near? I, I, Cl I think it was, Claridge? He, uh, it used to be, I might have been the By arcade. the Wellmont? No, not down by the Wellmont, more by the Claridge, I guess. Okay. okay. Yeah, like kind of crisscross, you know, on, on Fullerton and like, I, I think it was I Bloomfield. I can't remember. I know that you were there and I even visited. It might him. have been, maybe it was in Watchung Plaza. No, Watchung Plaza, I would remember. Yes, that, definitely. I, yeah, I kind of trashed a job. I, I was like so hung up with my co college girlfriend that I couldn't work the summer and I just lost that job. But uh, <clears throat> it was fun. You know, I okay, met a lot. Now they are seeing, um, they are seeing the only real comedian. Uh, Andy Kaufman, the bongo guy. Yeah. And they're like, let's find out. See, he doesn't talk to anybody. He considers himself, he's like kind of snobby, like I'm a real comedian and you guys are open micers, even though it's not called that. Um, and so they're following him. They're following his bus. Now, his bus is going to the dirt, dirt poor part of town. I don't know. What does that mean? Compton? I don't know. And, this, um, you say this in Montreal, so I don't have to beat myself in the head because I don't recognize <laughs> the bus line or the right. uh, where it parks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, God Bruce damn it. Nutter, that's his name. Bruce Nutter in the film. Nutter. That name's a little contrived. So they're following him to see where he lives, and then they're going to fuck with him. Looks like he lives in the Mexican part of town. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that real graffiti, or did they spray it up for the movie? Yeah, good question. Uh, the and owner also, didn't tell me. But if this is a real house, that's kind of sucky for them to do that. Is this an abandoned building? Is this a movie no, lot? This is this is a poor apartment building, apparently. Yeah, and but was, when they when they shot the funny farm, was it a real building? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. The internet. Uh, there was an IMDb entry which almost didn't say anything about the film. So uh, you know. I usually get my main information from Wikipedia, fill in the blanks with that trivia section from IMDb, and right. then begin scouring the internet for the real interesting stuff. There right. was none of that with this film. I found out all about the actors. I found out all about how it's Canadian. Okay. But it's killing me. There must be like so many comedians from Los Angeles who's been around for 40 years. They talk about it. They do podcasts. They do live streams. You can mm -hmm. hear their history. So I'm just surprised no one's really discovered this or talked about this. Maybe He's got a because gun. Because it was Cam uh, Canada? Yeah. Well, I don't remember seeing it in 83. I remember E.T. Uh -huh. <laughs> now, he goes, you, Canada, you punks invade my privacy. You get, you get out of here. And yeah. he's gonna get really upset. Oh really no no! Upset. I take it back. Look, they did they did some work on this movie. The director had these people on cue. Will you shut up? 
Okay, I want you to stand in this lady's apartment, and then when I say, when I call you, pick up the, pretend you hear them outside. Oh, look at this. He's already, he made it off that one set. He is now, since he's been invited up there to perform, he's going to be, you know, he's one of the regular comedians now at the Funny Farm. Things are moving quick for this guy because it's a movie, but... uh, this is all within the year. He moved in. Now he's on the phone with the TV studio going, did you make a decision about my pilot yet? Now, was this because of that set he did it was so well? There was there was someone in the yes, audience, right? There was that there, right. There was a talent scout, and they, they he's auditioned now for a pilot. This just isn't the way the world works. As a guy who's made a pilot, nobody was interested in it, and then is now in the middle of making a second pilot, I assure you, America. Now, I know this was a different time, but I, still, you don't just walk off the street and get offered a pilot. Let's let's put it this way, okay? Uh, maybe the writer and a director is so fucking bitter that in his movie, you know, the fucking young, handsome guy immediately gets a pilot. Right. Just you know? to- vicariously just for the sake of the story and just for his bitterness now he's at sammy's house and he sees sammy with the picture of philly beekman what's going on then he finds out it's my it's dad my dad oh why don't you go on stage be philly beekman's son hey, this guy this guy he plays all around the room and he's philly beekman's son give it up for philly beekman jr right. i mean tony tony beekman sorry sorry tony <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> There's some, uh, I guess, uh, Buddy Hackett's son was a comedian. Uh, I don't know. Jackie Mason's daughter, and it's illegitimate, she changed her name to Mason. She's Sheba Mason, just so you know. She, yeah. She's the daughter. There is also... Um, Kelly. Kelly. Uh, um, um, living in a van down by the river. Oh, his brother, Kevin. His brother is, yeah. yeah. And, and they look similar, you know, they're, okay, so because Sammy's dad is uh, Philly Beekman, he's arranged for these guys to get to go there for free to Vegas. So they're flying, I don't know if they paid for uh, the from what Are they going from Montreal to Toronto now? They're going from Los Angeles to <laughs> Vegas. To, oh, it's smiling. Got a clown face clown. Oh, yeah, look, this looks kind of like. Montreal's version of Las Vegas? No, they're in Vegas. Oh, Piazador is in Las Vegas, Carl. I so, did you think of that movie, Fake Out? Fake Out, Fake Out. There's yes. Don Rickles. Oh, and he was, mooned him. Um, where it's at. We saw Don Rickles. Yeah, in, in Vegas. Las Vegas as well. I and believe he, that this has got to be really Vegas. I mean, they're not going to do the fake set. No, and they actually paid to get like this funny name up on the sands. Yep. A marquee. Yeah, now, that's great. This guy, Philly Beekman, his name is Jack Carter. And he was oh, Jack a- Carter. Yeah. So he was like in the vein of Milton Berle. Um, uh, and we should, let's see I if we enjoy can... his act. You want to listen? I yeah, I do. Funny. So this has to be his act. He's not doing a character's act. It's probably Jack Carter's bit act, right? Goes, this band is one of the greatest bands of our day. I don't know. At night, they kind of suck. Here he is. Jack Carter, hey, 
Yeah. He had a long, distinguished career. He died at 93 in Los Angeles. And like five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. I remember that. Let's see here. 93rd birthday, 2015. He's killing it. Because of his jacket. Because of his jacket. Oh, look, even how is this? Uh, two, three, four. So, you know, this is interesting, Carl, because unlike I'm dying up here with Jim Carrey, right. this is contemporary comedy looking at their uh, at, at their their elders, I guess, yes. whatever the old comics are, uh, and they're commenting. So it's young comedians. They feel young comedians talking to the Vegas act. Right. And then we're going to see that in his hotel room after. Now, this guy was for real. He was on the, the Cavalcade of Stars, and he got his own NBC show called The Jack Carter Show. Um, he hosted uh, – there was, there was a – there was something called the half-hour Saturday night programming slot. and, and <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. He did a show – Right after Sid Caesar, Carl Reiner was on it. Um, he was friends with Sid Caesar. His, he gave the eulogy at his funeral. He was a frequent guest on Ed Sullivan. You know, one thing I have to say, I, I looked up Jack Carter, and there was like a video of Howie Mandel talking about him. Uh-huh. Like bold, bold Howie. Yeah, well, this, is, this is curly-haired Howie. Now, Sammy, his son, didn't even come. Wow. Yeah. 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 And what's going to happen is he's going to, the thing's going to start off with like, hey, young comedians trying to pick my brains. Welcome, welcome. But then he's going to start doing some racist stuff uh, with his, uh, I don't know, this, he's got this guy here with the, the bow tie. Yeah, with the bow tie. And he's been with him for 20 years or something. And basically he starts shitting on him. Yeah. I guess, uh, I mean, and the room flips, and they're against Jack Carter. The Carter's no George Clooney, is what you're saying. That's right. I don't know what a, to be a George Clooney is. You got your friends. You know, your friends, you, you've been there real life. You know, like, my friend, he gave me money for my headshot back in 82. Oh, he kissed a black man's head. Uh, yeah, look, there's Miles. He's not digging it at all. Yeah, he's not, like not digging it. And, um, yeah, so things will turn sour. He'll start pontificating about, uh, you know, you young kids. I mean, you didn't pay your dues. I cut my teeth on shitty rooms and everything. And then they'll say, like, well, when's the last time you saw a new comedian? As if, I don't know, it's, it's <laughs> a fake thing. Like, No, it's not true. Why don't we substitute young comedians with Zoom comedians and old school comedians with, like, comedians who did it in real life, who had a, you know... You guys, but why would why would a Kevin Hart, a Chris Rock come on down to Scotty's and check out new comedians? You know what I mean? Like, why would they? Because it's it's a vibrant. No, that's I think they have a solid argument. You okay. get yourself kind of stuck in a rut, and you don't realize there's been generations and generations of new comedians, and that things are different from the way you, the foundation is slightly different. It's different. Oh, look at this! Yeah, he's giving right now. He's drinks. going. Come on. Uh, 
I, my drink is empty here. And he's insulting him and he's doing ethnic racist slurs. And he goes, what was that? Too smart for the room? Which I thought was a funny line. Wow. It's getting awkward now. Now it's turned sour. Now we got whiskey sour. Yeah. Now it's going to flip and he's going to start getting mad at him. You young punks. You don't know anything. You don't respect anything. Uh, Jack, Jack Carter's a bit of a hothead, wasn't he? In real life, I'm not sure. Um, I kind of I, I gonna... read about him was positive. Yeah, I know he's a, he's an interesting comedian. I, I have to, you know what? I'm gonna go take watch him on YouTube. I'm gonna see if I can find like a, a 20 minute set or something. Well, there was one bad thing. He was in that horror film Alligator in 1980, which which was <laughs> I don't know why he would do that, but well, I know weird blemish on his on his. He's... Uh, well, he's been on like Ed Sullivan, like he's probably t- uh, for dozens of times. He's yeah. he was a staple on Sullivan. Yes, more than dozens. I don't know about staple, but he was one of their regular go-to guys. You want to make an audience laugh? We've got a whole. Get Carter. And you young comedians, you're snorting coke with Robin Williams. I don't even <laughs> know what snorting coke with Robin Williams means. Hey, man. When's the last time you checked out our act? Well, why would he? But okay. No, this this is an interesting yeah, moment. Right it's like road comics and like locals and, you know, comics pitting each other against each other. You know, it's comedy. It's a good point. They came to watch his show. Also, who, as a comedian, who fucking watches shows? Right? Who watches shows? Well, I mean, I- like. Do yeah. you go out and see like a show? You're like, oh, Brian Regan's in town. I'm going to go see him. Oh, I know what you're saying. Uh, I guess the honest answer has to be no, but I'm always like, I'm going to go. Like, right. for instance, Kevin Hart was at Levity Live doing new material, which is in Palisades Park. Uh, it's 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 Nyack, New York. It's really close. It's like a 350 seat. I looked at the ticket prices. I was like, forget it. Also, um, Louis C.K. was there after his disgrace. And I was like, this would be interesting, but I never went. Um, There's another name you would know. And he was at the uh, Stress Factory in New Brunswick. And the show was called Trying New Stuff. uh, That's about 250 seats. I was going to go to that. I didn't. You know, so, I mean, this is all pre-pandemic talking. And actually, when I had a little more of a drive in, in comedy, but you would go out and you would, you know, at a showcase, I would always watch people because I wanted to see what they were doing. I wanted to mm-hmm. see, and if they were good, you know, like Tom Rhodes, I think is a fucking genius. And mm-hmm. I watched him every time and because everything he does. Oh, is this the executive? Oh, it's Brandon Tartikoff. Now, this NBC. is, yeah. No, it's deciding. Brandon Tartikoff. Yeah, a three-piece suit. The guy behind the oh oh well, all right are they going to go with the young guy the white guy well, who does like, ethnic material? Well, they're like, are we material? going with the actor or are we going with the comedian? And so they, you know, they have an argument about it, and he's like, well, I like the comedian. I think he's going to be the next big thing. But he's in the room. Like, yeah, is that realistic? Yeah, it is. It's that's the way Hollywood works. I mean, it's heightened. I would have to say the the the, the uh, writer director is making a point by having this guy accelerate. And while being dissed in the room, he's while like, oh, great. They're going to diss him the moment he walks out of the room. You're great. Smiles all around. Okay, smiles. Brandon Tartikoff. Brandon Tartikoff came up with, like, Punky Brewster, came up with uh, different strokes. 
He wore a three-piece uh, tan suit with a vest, and he was about that guy's size. So obviously, that's who oh, they're going for. Yeah, I don't know. I getting back to watching comics. Uh, I I mean, I like comedy, and that's why I, I definitely watch it. But uh, you know, when I would do this room, I would go to rooms that like showcases just to say hi and just to be seen there, but also to see what the comics were like and what they were well, doing. You I always learn from that. Yeah, I. I always stay in the room when there's an open mic. People like uh, my good friend Anthony Quinn, and um, I won't start naming names. I was, yeah. Guy, but a lot of them, they go up, they do their set, and then they like disappear to like smoke pot or bullshit with the other comedians. And I never do. I always stay in the room. You know, I want to see don't... what everyone's doing. Yeah, but bullshitting with other comedians will get you other sets, and also just kind of you know it's networking. There's many, many, many facets to. I'm not saying talk, not don't talk I, of over course, someone's hang out with the comedians, but I'm just trying to say that watching all of the comedian sets is really of value to you as a comedian. And I also just want to laugh. I want to see what they're doing, what's going on. So now he's telling the girlfriend, uh, I got the pilot, you know, and it's like his big. He's having his up moment so we can see him crash later. Uh, hey, guys, I'm singing. I got a pilot. Hey, no need to diet. I already got my pilot. <laughs> That's what he's screaming to the other guys. I got a pilot. I got a pilot. Oh, he's that comic. Yeah. Yeah. But well. they're like, what's going on? And then they find out the ugly, ugly, ugly thing that Nutter has killed himself. They went and invaded his privacy, and now Nutter had went and killed himself. This'll show you. Wait a minute. So the comedy store wasn't there a suicide? I gotta get my research down. There was someone jumped off a roof or something, a comedian. I don't know that story. Um, you might be right about that. No, Bruce well, Nutter has killed himself. Bruce Nutter, and, Mike McDonald. Not not Michael McDonald from Mad TV or Michael right. McDonald the singer. Right. It's not Mike McDonald. Um, okay, so let's see. This was his first film, The Funny Farm, Mike McDonald. But he was in, um, there was a Jefferson Starship commercial and he played a comedian that he was in Screwballs 2. Which we did on the show. Boots. We did that on the show. You weren't there. I got, oh, I got a comic. Okay. I got a comic from uh, uh, the this Mutiny Radio Comedy Fest to join me. Super Dave's Vegas Spectacular. Um, oh. I mean, he was out there. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't know a bunch of his stuff. The Ben, Chasing Robert, The Ripping Fields. I, you wouldn't know a bunch of this stuff, but he had a career. And um, he did, uh, he died, He it was 2013. He had liver transplant surgery and his liver failed. It was hepatitis. Wow, liver uh, transplant. Yeah. So, but still. Wow. He's known for, I don't know, this film called The Nutcracker Prince in 90, Chasing Robert in 2007. He had a career. And he also had bipolar. Okay, so here we are at his funeral. Now, what I don't understand is this guy was dirt poor, but he spent a lot of money to do everything perfectly, and he insisted on an open mic at his funeral. And that's what they're doing right now. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I, I do. You, do you want to know, Mike, at your funeral? I don't think I do. I think this is a movie. Now you saw this movie already, so you know the punchline here. 
but people watching at home won't know. Well, I should mention what I know is that uh, our sunshine boy was going to perform and, and Brendan Tatterkoff was going to go over to the, the comedy store and watch him. But because of Bruce Nutter's fucking prank, he can't perform. Right. I mean, the, yeah. wasn't the guy supposed to see him tonight? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then this death fucking kibosh his career opportunity. Yes, I don't really care. Yes, that is true. That's what my takeaway was that this asshole, like, and for what? For being a narcissist, for doing, dying and having fake parents. I want to thank the rented parents that are they genius. Are fake. You're right. You're right. Yeah. No, but they announced it. Funny. You don't think this was inventive and creative? Uh, I'm killing time until the reveal. Okay. <laughs> Let's, let's, coming up pretty closely. Spoil everything. Look, okay? Lou Ferrigno. Bruce Nutter did not kill himself. It's all a big scam. He's going to open his coffin and pop out and go, don't you ever follow me home again and run away. I think it's funny. You can't wait two seconds to let it happen. <laughs> I Right now we're having a sad harmonic yeah, music. All the, all the comments are like, how come I'm going first for Nutter's funeral? Yeah, that's right. I Do don't you hear when you go up a Nutter's funeral? Uh, no. Okay, you're first. Okay, the ghost of Nutter shows now up. Gail's freaking out. Ah! <laughs> don't you assholes ever follow me home again? <laughs> <laughs> right. And look, Miles is like, you asshole, like you fucking Brandon Tartikoff. Peter Ackroyd's like, I'm going to kill him. He runs by and he goes, wasn't that Nutter? Oh, yeah, that's the parents. The parents are like, does, does this mean we're not getting paid? Oh, boy. And then comedians, that's a creative graveyard. By now, most all of this film was well-written in, um, in how it flows. Right. This next cut is not well done. It doesn't flow at all. All of a sudden, like, they, there's no reason for them to be all here in this <gasps> same room. Look at that. Howie Mandel is passing a joint. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's letting people smoke it, and then he's going to smoke it again? You mean because of COVID? Because of he, – he's famously – he doesn't shake people's hands. You know that. Oh, well, that could have developed – yeah, he's got a uh, OCD kind of germ phobia thing. Yeah, right. right. Of today. Uh, but, in this, but in this scene, he's smoking a communal joint. Right. Now, it might be because it's a movie, and it might be because his – his paranoia hasn't developed yet. I think as comics, they they were just smoking anyway, so it was kind of second nature. Let's see. Oh. Let's talk about Howie Mandel. Sure. Uh, okay, he is Canadian. He's totally Canadian. Uh, we know him from Deal or No Deal, the the suitcases game show. Right. Um, Bobby's World. There's Canadian and England counterparts, and he's on it too. Um, he got big. As a he got little as a comedian, but then he got big on this medical drama called Saint Elsewhere, which right. you remember was a primetime show. It was on six years, and he was a doctor on it. Well, you know, fits like a glove. He took a surgical glove and he blew it up and looked like a little chicken rooster. Yeah, put it on his head. Put it on and his head. It's so like, part of it was that he was a prop comic, and he was also that doctor from Saint Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it kind of clicked on that. Like it was. Like well, yes, nice... he was the prop comic first. It's true. St. Elsewhere didn't make him. But because of being a prop comic, he got on St. Elsewhere, and so he had six years of exposure to the public. Now, he didn't take that and go on to do a um, huge movie career. Instead, he 
turned it into like a voiceover career. Well, we should mention that uh, as a bad movie uh, podcast, I mean, a, a good podcast about bad movies, he was in Walk Like a Dog, which if it was on yep. YouTube, we'd be watching it where he's like a human dog. And yes. then he's the monster under the bed or in the closet. This right. movie's like a cult film. I have people swear by this film and I really enjoy it too. He's good in it. So he's he's done some real cultish films. Like this is a cult film too, I would imagine. But yeah, he he well, was a he was the voice in Gremlins, the yeah. voice of Gizmo, and in Gremlins too. Um, and he was in Tribulation, which was a um, one of those Cloud Ten pictures. Remember, we saw Cameron. What's his name? Oh, like a born again Christian type. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not born again Christian. A religious, a spiritual based. Cloud faith -based. Ten pictures is faith faith-based pictures and he was in tribulation in 2000 we know him from america's got talent he was on the fifth season but he did a lot of voiceover work he did a lot of uh you know the aristocrats and bobby's world was his Bobby's own world. yeah he was in pinocchio and hansel and gretel and tangerine bear and jack well the, i, you I see... know, lots of voiceover work he does. You ever see how we do it? This is how we do it. Hey, we're in a Las Vegas buffet, and unbeknownst to the tourists, we put gold tokens in instead of food. Let's see what happens. This okay, is how now, we Gail do it. is paranoid about earthquakes. She hates it, right? And right. we find out that she sold some of their um, stand-up routines and and it aired in ohio so they're pissed so they're pretending there's an earthquake it's a pretty good gag peter Aykroyd's got them so now she freaks out and goes it's a quake it's a quake so was he fucking comic it's was that the whole so that's the thing like a comic was like i'll i'll seduce her and then when i'm fucking her we'll have the audience pretend it's an earthquake right so then she comes out, it's a quake, and then somebody tips her off that it's not. She's oh, Maurice did it. She was fucking Maurice. I thought he was a cool guy. That's not cool. Well, Maurice, uh, they are all not cool. They're all in on this. And the only one who feels any pity for Gail is our star, uh, Mark Chaplin. And he's going to get into the car with her and try to, like, calm her down. Now, he, the owner's freaking out because nobody's inside spending money. Right. So he's trying to send them all back inside. What a weird scene. What a weird club. Mark Champlin is his name in the film. I, I get it mixed up because it's Miles Chapin and Mark Champlin. Anyway, he gets in there and he basically, she's like, get out, get out, leave me alone. <laughs> and he doesn't. And then she like sort of speaks her mind in her heart about how, like, why doesn't anybody like me? I, I love them. They give me joy and happiness. I'm all about these comedians. And so we're getting some feelings here. Do you think that's, a, do you think uh, club owners, comedy club owners really feel this way? I only know one comedy club owner really, really well, and he doesn't feel that way. Everybody kisses this guy's butt. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it's so funny. Not since Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams have I seen such an acting combo of comedian and Ellen Burstyn. <laughs> She's you doing a job right now at the, as an actress. She yeah, really she definitely grounds this movie. Like, she's given a real performance. This is a real person, it feels like. Now, we saw her in My Old Man last year. 
That's right. Yeah, she pops up in a lot of great stuff. Like when I see her name, like I'm watching a movie and she, her name's in there, I'm like, all right, you know, yeah. or a TV show. She's because good. she's good. Now, um, Goldie Hawn movie, what was it? Uh, Private Benjamin. That's how the, the country got to know her. Yeah, um, that was a really big film. Yeah. Yeah, it was a memorable, memorable scene. She was a uh, Mrs. Peacock in Clue. Right. Um, so look, uh, Mrs. Shore. I mean, uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Farm, Mrs. Farm, just feel better. Hey, can I get a set Tuesday? Uh, I'm going to let you go and just think. But if I could do seven minutes instead of five on tomorrow, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, look, he's got the congratulations telegrams. He's got his headshot. Yeah. Yeah. So this is day one of his pilot. He's already gone out there and done some of it. And they didn't like it. They didn't like it. He wasn't good enough. And, and, the woman is like an "I told you so" moment because she suggested the actor. Look, you want an act, you want acting, you hire an actor. So now they're going to let him go. Do they have really? You wow. saw this film. He's getting fired right now. Well, they. I know this film. They say, "Hey, we got an actor waiting in the parking lot. He's just he's smoking a Marlboro right now." But just give me the word. I'll give him the eye. He'll come right up. Yeah, there we go. Hey, oh look, my character. I think my character would be great if it had more lines. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hey, listen, we're off the set. You're fired. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He, he goes, goes We're going in a different direction with your character. He goes, Fine, no problem. He goes, No, you don't understand. He goes, Wait a minute, are you firing me? He goes, I didn't say that. He goes, You are firing me. He goes, Well, you said it. Ugh, what a passive aggressive asshole. The and he uh, leaves the artist entrance. So this is Montreal with the artist entrance. It's is this like pronounced Montreal? UBS Television. So it's like C Canadian. Yeah. They they moved the C for Canada up and made it a U. Yeah. Instead of CBS, it's U UBS. Why not? You could oh, be. Oh, all right. So oh, yeah. I could be a girlfriend, and he goes, "I blew it." So basically, he's gonna have a crybaby. I quit comedy. Yeah, I know. Second, but then he's going to start driving home. He's going to go to some honky tonk and do like five minutes. Everyone's going to love him. And he's going to turn around and come back. And she's going to be happy. It doesn't, it's a very poorly written end. Well, okay. So I think this is kind of so far so good. This guy drives at the beginning of the year. He drives from Cleveland. He goes to Los Angeles. He's on it. He's on it. He's part of the scene. He, everyone now knows him. He's doing time. He's a regular. Uh, he takes, you know, he, gentrify, he gentrifies a, a, an act, and then he gets a pilot, uh, and then they kick him out even the first day of shooting. I think it's fucking this guy, the director, like, just being bitter. Oh, he's in the mental ward. Yeah, Nutter. Bruce Nutter went crazy, and he's now in the mental ward. And it doesn't make sense. He's going to, like, say to the girlfriend, Mark is going to say to the girlfriend, like, I don't want to end up like Bruce Nutter. How would he look his comic books upside down? He goes, I, I have to admit, upside down now. That's that's my favorite line in this movie. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. So, I'm going to use that line. The thing is, why in the world would he end up like Bruce Nutter? It, it doesn't make sense in the real world. It, it's poorly written. I mean, I'm I, I'm not going to really talk about comedians, but there, you know, this is not kind of something like this could happen. I don't know about this. 
Is he doing time? Yes, he. Did you stop watching the film because you knew everything up until I'm the earthquake? To, I do. No, okay. I, I know. Yeah, no, I'm just trying so to what, move, move our show along. Okay, so what is happening now is every day at this time he does like 15 minutes, and people come in. He's he's and so he's saying it's great to be here at the funny farm, and the joke is, you know, he's at the crazy, you know. But like the joke is, these guys are acting like you know outside crazies. You know what I mean? Like we're crazy comedy, we're the loony bin. How come everyone's in those uh, uh, smocks, those uh, hospital gowns? But Bruce, okay, he's got his own, yeah. So now, now he's essentially gonna. Quit. Well, right. it isn't time for him to quit yet, but he's really close. If I may, I have seen this movie. You have already spoiled the movie, but allow me to spoil this movie. He So he fails, right? And now he's completely burnt and bitter, and he's not even going to try again. He doesn't want to go to the club. He doesn't want to talk to the comedians. He doesn't even want to live in the same house as the waitress. And then right. the biggest night of comedy is, is New Year's Eve, right? That's right. like everybody in America decides or Canada decides to go out and and drink and not talk to their spouses because they're watching a show or they just want <laughs> they want to go out and drink or they just want to get out of the house or the, they want to watch stand-up comedy on TV. It's the biggest night of, tele- of yeah. uh, stand-up comedy is New Year's Eve. But he won't go. In fact, he fucking bails on his girlfriend on New Year's Eve yeah. and, and moves out. Which And he gets, and Mitzi Shore, I mean, uh, I Paul, mean Brennan, yeah. yeah, offers him a great spot on New Year's and he turns it down. Right, which is such a no-no. You, no matter how you're feeling, you always say yes. Yeah, exactly. unless you really, unless you're really gonna fuck it up. You if know, you have COVID. If you're drunk, you if, don't know no, your material. If you're drunk, ooh, they have assignment. Look at that. That memory game: beep, red, green, yellow. I used to love that. Ah, no, no, and the pay. Wow, what a museum! Yeah, because you, you should always take a set because they're never gonna offer again if you say no the first time that's right they'll never offer it again they yeah you, that's the memory they have you said no. yeah you said no they got a show to run they need no to... yeah i mean you know it as, a, as running a show you sometimes you, someone does a show or there's a spot missing you need someone asap you don't need bullshit right i don't need 40 questions i don't need you saying i can't do it but i'll love another set and then follow up that's not the reason why i'm calling you in this 11th hour right I need someone can you deliver if you deliver i'll get you another set but right. if you don't deliver and then you keep pestering me for a set because the last time <laughs> I asked, it's gone. I, I don't have time because I have 500 people pestering me anyway. Look at the day. I'll it's, never understand comedians. Clay. Right. Look, there's Mr. Shore. I, I guess he maybe is a kind of Mr. Shore. If he's you don't think they're married? Oh, she's, she's fucking people, uh, comics, but you know they could be married. In the beginning, the juggler explained that he was the club owner and she was the manager. So I think what he does is cowardly. I think it's like it goes against everything you learn in comedy, which is that you will never stop. And you can't stop. You know, you have to take any kind of failure, just thick skin, right? You got to let it off your tail. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense what he's doing, and he's not just making a mistake because he's a young comedian. It's also the author. It's the self-hatred. It's, no, but comics, you know, I mean, I relate to what he's doing. He self-sabot- he's self-sabotaging everything to the point where he negates himself and everything he's he achieved the year that he moved out here. You know, it's New Year's Eve. It had the year okay. is about to end, and he bails. Like, he doesn't even last a year. He self-destructs, and it's wrong. And I, I feel like... You know, someone told me something. Carl said, you have to think you're funny. 
because if you don't think you're funny, then nobody in the room thinks you're funny. Of course. So even if you're not funny, you still have to think you're funny because that way you don't side with the audience when they turn on you, right? That's one of the only things I learned from the Steve Martin uh, masterclass I paid $96 for. uh You got to pretend you're killing when you're up there. If you do a joke that doesn't work, move on. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So he doesn't do that because, and then, uh, I mean, that's the thing. So he should, he should show up like comics would love to say, Oh, what happened to that pilot? You were yelling about at the parking lot. How did that turn out? Right. Uh, He's going to eat a lot of shit, but you do eat a lot of shit because it's a salt fire ship and it's things are raw and rocky and you're vulnerable on stage. And, you know, I don't know. I haven't performed Carl fucking in a while. Stand up. Yeah. You haven't personally performed. I used to produce COVID. Yeah, COVID is exactly right. You know, New Year's Eve shows, I I produced my own because no one was booking me. And I said, fuck uh-huh. it, I want to perform. And I would get do shows. And, you know, they were fun. They were great shows. And I had some really good comics up there. And I was able to pay them. So it was fun, you know, and we had an audience for it. I had uh, the chance to do New Year's Eve at Scotty's. I even said yes. And uh-huh. then Sandy, my wife, was like, excuse. Excuse me. <laughs> We've right. been together every New Year's for 26 years, and you're you know cancel that. You know, so I had Fair to enough. call him. Yeah. So he just broke up with her. Well, he he came and said, "I'm going home. I've left you a note." And I left goes, you a note. What? Yeah, it's essentially a breakup, even though he's not saying breakup. No, but... it's actually his set list. He left by mistake. He, he took. <laughs> he goes on the honky tonk and performs his breakup. Right. Uh, yeah. He pulls out his set list and he goes, Dear John, wait a minute. Dear Young and the Restless. <laughs> yeah. So she is mad. She is mad and legitimately so. You're a fair weather comedian. You only come out when it's nice. That's true. That's a that's a real thing. You know, there's no shame in comedy. You ha- have to eat shit. You know, it's it's funny. Mm-hmm. But uh, even if it's on you, so, so he goes, you listen, I'm a waitress and I've seen better. I work here as uh, and the staff and uh, I've seen better comics than you. Oh, no, she's he's the greatest girlfriend. She does not insult him or hurt his feelings at all, except to call him a chicken, you know, which is the honest truth of what's going on. So now oh. begins the long trek down Route 80. Symmetry, because we started off with him driving towards Los Angeles. Right. New Year's Eve, he's done. He doesn't even last a year. So he stops off at a honky-tonk. He has a good set. He says, all right, I'll go back. It doesn't – it's not strong as an author. And this guy was a hell of a writer, uh, this Ron Clark. Of course, this is kind of early in his career. Yeah, I, I think this movie has a lot of meat on its bones. I mean, no, it's, it's not. He started in the '60s, and this is 20 years into his career, and he's writing this crap. But he's he's letting demons out. He's he's letting the frustrations of the comedy he wasn't scene out. A comedian. He was a writer. Uh, he was never a comedian. Now he did write for a lot of. Um, okay, let so me. So this is honky tonk comedian right now. This is just some local bar. Yeah, some honky-tonk. Let's see. Jackie Gleason, Danny Kaye, Steve Allen. These are all, you know, Smother Brothers, Pat Paulson. These are all comedians. Yeah. So I don't think Ron Clark was ever a comedian, Just but he was around him. Right. So he knows, but he probably had friends that 
got one yeah. instant you know he'd probably seen the instant success and the, the quick burnout quick and maybe crashes. he was a stand-up and the internet just didn't tell me yeah man you were great hey i'm a comedian too do you know is there how can i is there a list can i get up do you know of any other rooms i have a hundred million other questions that only happened to me once. I was in Jersey City. I was at this show just seeing a friend. Her name's Stacy Kendro. She's from Boston. She's a feature. And um, I just went up to the guy and I said, look, I'm a comedian. Uh, seems like everyone's still warm and you're about to end. Uh, can I? <laughs> All right. And so I did. I went up and I did a, the set I had in my wallet, like I was saying. Yeah. Now, they had a grand piano there. So I, I said your joke about tickling the ivories and how sometimes the elephants sneeze, and it got a big laugh. So I said, okay, I'll tickle the ivories. So I sat down and I played Imagine by John Lennon, and I did Imagine There's No Yoko. Oh, it really went well. Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm glad to hear. So it's not only in the movies, Carl. Even, you know, it happened to you. It wasn't Bernie's Bar and Cafe. Right. So he's leaving Bernie's and the guy's like, you are genuinely funny and everybody loved you. And that was all it took. That's strong enough. He gets on the phone with One girlfriend set. at three in the morning yeah. and, and says, I'm coming home. Hey, I just did a set and I killed. I, I can't go to sleep. I I'm going to go back to Los Angeles and, and pursue my dream. Now, what's he's going to run off again. It all takes place. It's still New Year's Eve. So was he asleep at 10.30? No, look at the clock. It's like 4 in the morning. Yes, right. It's, but it's, it's New, New Year's, Year's Day. Day. So this is all happening, this 180. Now she's happy because she's the perfect girlfriend. He doesn't go, how dare you put me through a breakup? And then you're, you bipolar motherfucker. No. He, he like, showed up to his no. work. As she, he showed up to her work on New Year's Eve, the busiest night. We just said it was the biggest <laughs> night in comedy. That's right. Hey, I, I left. I left you a note. I'm going. I, I can't hack. Yeah. This is kind of a comic thing to do. Yeah. I, I can't yeah. deal. I, I'm done. Now he's back. Is he listening to George Carlin again? No. Kelly Carlin? He's just, yeah, we're hearing, we're hearing inspirational music. And you can do it. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, I love the theme song. Go ahead. Put it up. Put it up. I am the grind. Every, every on my mind. LA on my way. <laughs> I love this. I know what to do. It's so bad. And it's also so 83. That's it. He goes back. The movie's over. That's no scary. New Year's Day. There's Peter, late Peter Ack. A lot of people passed away. Yeah, a lot of did. Not Howie, though. Is uh, really funny, his baby boys? Yeah, oh, it's Bobby's World. Jack oh, Blum. yeah? Did that go on to be Bobby's World? Yeah, he did a... I didn't look up Jack Blum. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's all right. Look at my... Yeah, he was pretty he good. Put it on those girls who voluntarily hopped up on the stage and were happy about it. Yeah, you know what? I mean, what about the female performers? Do they, would they feel comfortable being in a place that allows that? Like some some comics allows them. girls. To, they oh. were females who got on the stage and said, "I'm into." They, they were audience members who came to see a show. They shouldn't be up there showing their tits. 
Okay. Hey, we never seen Brian uh, sick on stage. That must be cut material. <laughs> yeah, there's Steve Allen, and his Walkman doesn't get a credit. His Walkman did not get a credit, and I was very. I thought that wasn't. That wasn't fair. Jesus Christ, Carl. What do yeah. you think of this movie? While the music still plays, don't get me I wrong. Yes, I have to say that I enjoyed it because it was stand-up comedians. I guess I have to say I enjoyed it. But it irked me that it's just like he rolls into town. He's got a girlfriend and a place to stay. All the comedians are his friends. He gets, uh, you know, becomes a regular comedian with hardly any material he's going to do a pilot it's all like a fake that's not the way life works but it's a movie i get it you have to accelerate well it's a parody carl Carl, i think this movie is good uh and that it it it, i the problem is is that the whole story about the los angeles comedy scene in the 70s and 80s uh, you know this was 83 so it was still kind of new and had that car fresh car smell it wasn't stale and repurposed and regurgitated and reused, but it was their version of it. So I caught a little inside history in there. And uh, I don't know, it was like a cautionary tale, this guy, you know, of Hollywood, of this guy, like they just take young faces and put them in uh, stuff that they can't deal with. And then they Here's get the crushed. recorded material. Yeah, there we go. So, oh, he listened to Carl, uh, 2000 year old man. Yep, Comedy is not pretty. Right. Dating Joan of Arc was the routine. Oh, just, yeah. Well, we should give a shout out to to uh, Patrick Carlin, uh, George Carlin's younger brother, who used to be part of the show before us here on the Media Edge Radio. of Insanity. Yeah. Edge of Insanity, Paul Rumba. Yeah, Re- this, the recently married. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Fans of Paul Rumba and Mrs. Christine. Uh, Definitely you know, the, our yeah. fans, of Paul Rumba. Great right. material. Great picking up his kid from jail. Funny comedian, Paul Rumba. Right. Not in this movie, however. So uh, one comedian didn't make the cut, but yeah, we love Paul. All right. Rated R movie. Wow. Mm. Mm. Well, Carl, uh, yeah, that was it. We are done with that at all. We never have to go back to the funny farm. Uh, We are free of that. Next week, we are going to maybe, I don't know, we... we we have I a don't film. Know, like, uh, I don't announce that film. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's, talk. let's put it this way. <laughs> the purpose of our show is to, some movies are so bad, you just can't watch them on your own. You need yeah. someone in the room. You need somebody yeah. to be part. And we always feel like because you have to listen to our podcast and watch the movie at the same time to fully experience uh, what we're doing, that we're part, that led us. We are, as a group, us, the podcast, and you, the listener, we are watching a movie together. Because some movies, you just can't make it to the end because they're so fucking bad. <laughs> and that's the scenario we have with the film, that it's in the pipeline, and we can't... The thing is, I will, in my research, be watching it alone maybe four times. Let's talk off-air. All right, we'll talk off-air, because I watched the movie... Until a point where I had, my eyes were removed by my hands and I could no longer watch the movie. So I think I agree with you. Well, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, how about that for excitement here on Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube every Sunday on MutinyRadio.fm where you can contribute to the station. Please go to yeah. MutinyRadio.fm, hit their Patreon link, or go to Venmo and send them a couple bucks at Mutiny Radio. We'd love to keep this going. 
uh, we, as we have been for, for years, this is part of the Mission District community. We have live shows on Monday and Friday. Uh, and if you don't want to go in person to see them, you can listen to them on Muni Radio as a podcast or streaming live. Exactly. Go to muniradio.fm. More information about our iTunes link. More information about all the shows, including what's really happening that just played before us at noon here on Sunday. Luke. So, Carl. Yeah, Luke Sayer. Luke, uh, Carl, I just called you Luke. Uh, it's me, Mark. Luke, do you uh, anything uh, you'd like to promote? Anything coming up? I guess no. Just go to carlsucks.com, yeah. and uh, you'll see all my upcoming dates, which pretty much means I'll be at Scotty's this weekend. And if there's anything else, I do list it there. So please Sounds good. enjoy. Yeah, and we have a lot of great more show coming on, so uh, make sure you, uh, now that February is done, uh, join us next week in March as we maybe show a film we can't watch. My birthday's tomorrow, February 28th. You Happy guys birthday. Oh, but you. it's Monday. <laughs> birthday on a Monday. How yeah. ironic. Yeah. You guys at the party. All right. See you at the party, Carl. Uh, happy 40. 56. 56. All right. Yeah. Hey, you. man. Hey, I'm a couple years behind you. So <laughs> keep, keep, keep blazing the path for me, brother. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care.
Richie Haven. What better way to start than with the beautiful Richie Haven? Mutation. 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 Mutation.
Yeah.